0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7 just for a few moments. We're going to look at today a hymn called How Firm a Foundation. Now, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Charlie Myers, you sent this to me when I was in Jackson South Hospital in Miami with my son. And Charlie sent me this hymn How Firm a Foundation. I'll we'll tell you a little bit about the author in just a moment, but, but we're going to go to Matthew chapter seven, and I'm going to tell you right off the bat, we're not going to get through all five points today. So some of you are relieved at that, but, uh, but you've got the notes, you can fill in the blanks. We're going to look at how firm a foundation. Let's go to Matthew chapter seven. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. amen. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came, came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. How many of you are here today and you've had rain come in your life? Winds blow, streams rise, and we didn't fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds beat and blew against that house, and it fell with a great crash. How many of you here today have you seen someone crash? Because the weight of life. The winds come, the rains, they blow against that house. We have the choice of of how we're going to build our lives. We're going to build them on the rock, we're going to build them on sand, we're going to build them on God's Word, or build them on the culture. And Robert Keene was a Baptist music minister in London who wrote this beautiful hymn, and we're going to sing it at the end of our service, we're going to on the back of your notes, you'll notice that you have the, uh, uh, his, his beautiful song there, How Firm a Foundation. We're going to sing that as we conclude our service today. But he was a, a Baptist music minister in London. And he wrote the hymn. And normally on the hymns, you'll notice in your hymnal book or when you see, you see the author of the hymn. And for whatever reason, obviously humility, Robert Keene, a doctor wrote this hymn, and all he put, when you're supposed to write where the author is, all he wrote was the word K. Every once in a while, it's a good thing for you and I to do things anonymously. He was so humble that he didn't want to take credit for writing the hymn, so he wrote the letter K in hymo- and him and hymnologists, men and women who study hymns, they couldn't figure out who K was until they finally did research and found out that it was Ro- Dr. Robert Keene of London, England. I want you to look at the top of your notes and notice that today's sermon is brought to you today by S. <laughs> I don't want to take any credit for today's sermon, so I just put S. <laughs> As a reminder to all of us that every once in a while, it's a really good idea to do something and not take credit. In fact, I'm going to challenge you today, those of you in the balcony, those of you on the lower level here, how about we do something this week for somebody and we don't take the credit? Do something in secret, because the Bible says that when you and I do something in secret, when you and I write a hymn and we don't put our name on it, when you and I preach a sermon and don't take credit for it, when we buy someone's groceries at Publix or someone's gas at 7-Eleven, the Bible says that when you did do it in secret, God's going to reward you. But if you and I do things to be noticed by men, Jesus said very clearly in Matthew chapter 7, you've earned your reward. You you might get a pat on the back. Wow, that was cool. Hey, thanks for doing that. But how many of you know, wouldn't it be so much better to get a pat on the back from God Almighty than from mankind? Yet so many times, we are seeking out the applause of men. We're seeking out to get an attaboy. We're seeking out to get a pat on the back from men. And the Bible says, you'll earn your reward if you just get an attaboy from Pastor Scott. But if you do things in secret... And nobody knows about it. The Bible says God's going to reward you. How fulfilling is it going to be this week when you and I wake up on Monday morning and say, I'm going to do something for somebody and no one's going to know who it is. And When you live a life like that, God gets all the credit and you get the joy of knowing that you and I are blessing people and we're not doing it to get credit We're doing it because we love God and we love his word. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, I've taken the hymn How Firm a Foundation by Robert Keene and I've broken it down into five points because there's five verses in this hymn. We're going to look at uh, hopefully a few of these but probably just number one and we're going to see and discover today how we can live a life of unwavering faith. How many of you want to live a life of unwavering faith. That when the storms come, and they're going to come, when the wind blows, the wind's going to blow, when the rain comes and the storms surge, we are going to live a life that is unwavering. And so I've taken his hymn, broken down into five different verses, and I want to thank Charlie Myers for sending this to me because I really never was aware of this hymn. But it is beautifully crafted and filled with God's Word. So point number one, here's how you and I can live a life Unwavering faith. Number one, you can live a life that is going to weather the storms of life when you rely on God's Word for strength. When you rely on God's Word for strength, the wind will come, the rain will come, the storms will surge, but you will be strong because you are depending on God's Word. For strength, Look what Robert Keene wrote in verse number one. He says this, How firm a foundation, ye saints at Pine Castle, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say to you than he hath said to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. I like that. That verse says that when when we need strength, when we need hope, when we need peace, when we need guidance, when we need wisdom, we are running, not to CNN or Fox News to inspire us and motivate us, we are running to God's word. And when you and I rely on God's word, it will help us to live a life of unwavering faith. I pray that God would raise up men and women in this church that love God's word. My grandma, George, who was a saint, she was a volunteer Sunday school teacher at Niagara Falls First Assembly of God in Buffalo, New York. She was a volunteer Sunday school teacher for 45 years. My grandpa was the church treasurer, and he volunteered for 45 years in one church. My grandma gave me a Bible when, when, when I graduated from Edgewater High School in 1979. And, 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 <laughs> And in that Bible, she wrote at the front of that book, that beautiful book, Psalms 119. I have hid God's word in my heart that I may not sin against God. You see, one of the ways that you and I can weather the storms of life is to rely on God's word for strength. This is more than just a book. This is more than just a a historical account of of God's goodness and mercy. This word is life. And when you and I look to this word to guide us and to to fill us with hope and healing and peace, it helps us to, to, to weather the storms of life. I'm praying today that God would raise up men and women in Pine Castle that are in love with God's word. And yes, you may say I've read it a million times, but we read it because it is life when we read it. So the first key to living a life of unwavering faith is to rely on God's Word for strength. Now, let's take a quick detour here because I want to show you something. Go to 2 Timothy. That's in the New Testament. 2 Timothy, verse 3. And This is not in your notes. You're going to you're have to write this out your own. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16. I, wa- I want you to see this. How many are still with me? Let me hear an amen. Amen. How many love God's Word today? How many believe that God's Word can give us strength and hope and healing and wisdom and direction? God's Word helps us to weather the storms of life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this. All Scripture. Everyone circle that word all. Let's say it together. Let's say that word all. All Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the man, the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Watch this, church. When you crave God's word, and I love what Jesus said. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that what? Proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can't do a good work. You can't be the man that God wants you to be. You can't be the woman that God is destined you to be without having God breathing his word into your life. And when you have that word, you are thoroughly equipped. There is nothing worse they're having a job to do and you not be thoroughly equipped to do it. In our Atlanta home that we're staying in to take care of our son Austin, the, uh, the soap dish came off in the shower. And I wasn't thoroughly equipped, Jim. I didn't have the goods to do it. I thought that just a little bit of super glue and, and, and duct tape was going to make that thing worth. And guess what? guess what happened? Tammy made me keenly aware that I was not thoroughly equipped for the job. It didn't take but a day for that thing to fall off. Why? Because I wasn't thoroughly equipped. I didn't have all the tools. It takes more than just duct tape to fix things, guys. I wasn't thoroughly equipped to do the good work. Watch this. When you allow God's Word to come into your life, it rebukes you it corrects you, it trains you in righteousness so that you are thoroughly, thoroughly equipped to do good works for His glory. We need God's Word to equip us to do what He's called us to do. Amen. Now, look at the first verse of that again. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture, all Scripture is God's breathed. Now let's stop right there. Powerful truth. Powerful principle I'm getting ready to teach you. Watch this. When you open God's Word and you are looking into His Word for direction, for wisdom, for insight, for for correction, for uh, empowering, when you look into those words, those words, the Bible says, are God-breathed. Watch this. When you look into God's word, God is breathing his life into you. All scripture is God-breathed. How many believe that? Let me see your hands. That every time when you... Read his word. And you say, I'm going to build my house on, on the solid rock. I'm going to build my, my, my unwavering faith on Christ the solid rock. When you open this book and you read this book and you allow these words to come into your heart, it's like God breathing his life into you. How many of you are here today you need God to breathe his life into you? It happens Every time you read his word, all scripture is God-breathed. And when you're lonely and you read his word, he breathes hope into you. When you are sick in body and you need a touch, you read his word, God breathes healing into you today. When you're confused and you need direction, when you read his word, he breathes. Details to you that you never knew. Why? Because all Scripture is God-breathed. He's already given us all that we need to have, and it's right here. And when you open this Word, and you meditate on His Word, and you allow His Word to penetrate your heart, you're building a strong foundation on the rock, and He's breathing life into you. Are y'all with me? Life. We don't have time to go there, but, 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 but in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God took clay and he formed man. Aren't you glad that he didn't stop there? But God did something beautiful. When he created Adam and Eve, he formed them out of clay. And then the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, And then God breathed life. And they became a living soul. See, without God's breath, you and I are just a clump of clay. Are y'all with me this morning? We're just clay. But there is life that happens When you allow him to breathe into you, and every time you open his word, every time you listen to his word, every time you digest what God is saying, he is breathing life into you. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve became a living spirit because God breathed life into them. All scripture is God breathed. And if you and I would just develop As best we can on a daily basis to open up his word and allow his word to speak into our lives. He's breathing life into you. In John chapter 20, thank you for that, amen. In John chapter 20, the disciples were confused. The disciples were were, were out of sync. And they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to energize them for them to be all that God wanted them to be. Jesus knew that he was leaving. He knew that he wasn't going to be with them forever. And the Bible says something very powerful in John chapter 20, verse 22. It says that Jesus breathed on his disciples and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. All scripture is God breathed. And if you need healing, if you need direction... If you need hope, if you need encouragement, all you have to do is open his word and say, God, like you did to the disciples, breathe on me. As you did to Adam and Eve, breathe life into me. And suddenly his word begins to help you to build a foundation that will be strong when the storms of life come. I don't want to scare you. The storms are coming. The rain is always going to be there. The wind is always going to be there. Life has a way of just being cruel sometimes. But when you and I make the decision that we are going to build our house on the rock, we're going to build a life that is unwavering because it's built on God's word and you allow God's spirit to breathe in you. In fact, I'd like you to do that right now. Bruce, if you can go to the keyboard. I just want you just, just where you're seated just lift up your head and lift up your hands just for a moment and ask God like he did to Adam and Eve, ask God like he did to the disciples, ask God to breathe his life into you today. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're confused, if you need direction, let him breathe on you today. Just humble yourself. Say, God, I I don't want to be just a clump of clay. I want to be filled with your spirit, and I want your words to be breathed into my life and my heart today so that I can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. beautiful presence of the Lord here today. Allow him to breathe his life into you today. Make the decision, make the choice today that you're going to crave God's word. Man doesn't live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Come Holy Spirit, speak to your people. As we open your word, breathe life into us. God, as you breathe life into the empty, dry bones, breathe life into us today with your word so that that we can weather the storms of life, so that we can have an unwavering faith. Breathe into us today.